the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. Welcome to the show, my friends, on this beautiful Saturday, March 26, 2022. Welcome to the program. We've got uh, a real good one as usual for you, my friends. Um, lots of things happening. Let me tell you, we are in, in, in a whale of trouble uh, as far as the border goes, my friends, because, well, we're going to explain to you what is going on that is going to cause, in our opinion, a tsunami. I mean, we've already got a, a great number of illegal aliens already crossing. Uh, what's going to happen now is that uh, the floodgate is just about to, to open up, and we're going to be in a whale of trouble, my friends. Uh, so uh, let me tell you who our guests are, what they're going to talk about, and then... Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background about um, the show and what's been going on. Uh, first of all, we've got uh, Mr. Peter Pettis, Peter Pettis III. <laughs> he is a, a citizen uh, of Carrizo Springs, Texas, which is uh, a little community, a little community near the border, about 40 miles from the border. And Peter's going to talk to us, my friends, about uh, what is happening in his backyard, in his community, with the illegal alien wave that's happening. What is happening, my friends, is that because there are so many more uh, illegal aliens crossing and being processed by the um, being captured and processed, being detained and processed by the Border Patrol, um, they are now being just released. And uh, they are being released into communities as well as being shipped uh, to uh, here to San Antonio. We'll chat a little bit about that. But uh, they're being released. Uh, and uh, there is the absolute um, uh, probability that this uh, is going to accelerate because uh, the, the federal government, the Biden administration, is going to remove uh, Title 42, which is uh, the rule that uh, stated that uh, illegal aliens, really any migrant, any immigrant, any immigrant coming into the country, uh, they had to, uh, they, were, they were denied uh, entry if they tested positive for COVID. Now, for a long, long time under the Biden administration, uh, they haven't been, been testing folks. But if uh, if they were tested or if they showed signs of uh, of illness, they were immediately sent back across the border uh, to Mexico. Of course, uh, hypocrites like uh, Julian Castro and Joaquin Castro, uh, who were screaming and yelling about, we have to wear masks, we have to shut down uh, gatherings, we have to do this, we have to do that. Well, suddenly no, none of that matters as long as you let the illegal aliens across the border. So this uh, Section 42, this Title 42, should I say, this Title 42, this rule, is about to be lifted. It's going to be removed by uh, the Biden administration. And when that happens, my friends, it's going to be Katie by the door. It's going to be an absolute tsunami of people crossing the border and claiming asylum, Okay. Because that's the other thing that is happening. There has been a new uh, policy established by the Biden administration that uh, allows anyone and everyone to claim asylum and then to stay in the United States. Now, this, my friends, is going to, uh, I mean, people uh, cl will claim asylum even though they, uh, they don't qualify for it. Asylum is set apart for people who are politically uh, in danger in their home, home country. The vast majority of the people that are crossing the border at this point from all countries are economic refugees. They are economic, economic uh, uh, people that are fleeing economic conditions, not 
political conditions. They are not in danger of being assassinated because they are a political figure. That doesn't matter to the Biden administration. They just want people to come in. And so, again, this is going to create more. This is going to be just another incentive for people to come uh, across the border and into the United States. I'm telling you, my friends, I don't know what we're going to do. So uh, Peter Pettis is going to be talking to us about what is happening with this situation in his backyard. Uh, Carrizo Springs is one of the small communities that has been suffering this uh, problem uh, since the border crisis began and started heating up. Uh, We also have Mr. Jason Hopkins from the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. Jason's going to be chatting with us uh, specifically about um, these rules that are being lifted, that are being removed, and how literally, how literally the Biden administration is uh, is is shackling the uh, uh, is shackling the um, or chaining uh, the enforcement of immigration uh, uh, immigration officers. Immigration officers are not able to do their job, uh, specifically to detain and deport illegal aliens. Uh, they're just not. And so what we are what we are seeing literally is a, is an under undercutting an undermining, a destruction of immigration law enforcement. And uh, Jason is going to be chatting with us about that. We also have Mr. Matt Cody. <clears throat> Matt uh, is the president of the Oil and Gas Workers Association here in Texas. And Matt uh, is going to be chatting with us about the impact of uh, this whole situation with, uh, with the energy crisis that we're facing. Because not only, my friends, not only are we facing an illegal alien crisis, a border crisis, where millions of people are coming across, now the green people, uh, these green activists, these environmental radicals, literally want to uh, take this opportunity with the war in in Russia going on. uh, They want to take advantage of this situation and literally get rid of fossil fuels, which is outrageous, my friends. It's absolutely outrageous. They want to replace uh, fossil fuels with renewable energy, whatever that is. However, it's not ready. We're not ready for that. We're 20, 30 years away from really having uh, a majority, a, a strong uh, uh, a strong presence of uh, renewable energy that we can depend on. I mean, we've got windmills in Texas that don't even work most of the time. So we're going to hear from Matt uh, about this situation. We're also going to be hearing at the at the uh, in in our concluding um, guest is Mr. Dan Lineman, who is uh, uh, editor of Border Hawk News. Border Hawk News, of course, is our uh, is our sponsor, and I really really thank him for it. Um, however, Dan is also a reporter with Infowars in Europe, and he's going to be chatting with us regarding the uh, the immigration situation in Europe as uh, as it relates to the uh, Ukrainian uh, crisis, as it relates to the war, and uh, how um, uh, a lot of the Arab countries are taking are taking advantage, uh, uh, or should I say, the African and uh, and and Middle Eastern. Folks, the Arab folks are taking advantage of the uh, of the conflict to uh, cross into Europe and declare again asylum and refugee status. And again, the vast majority of these folks are not. They are not uh, asylum. They do not qualify for asylum uh, and uh, refugee status. Well, they're economic refugees. They're leaving their country because it's poor, which uh, I don't blame them. But uh, how about you fix your country? So um, Dan's going to be chatting with us on that on that point. So my friends, uh, stick around. We've got, I mean, these folks have got a lot of information that you're going to want to hear and a lot of information that you're going to uh, uh, really enjoy. Please, please, please call your friends. Tell them to join us. Welcome to the El Conservador Show with George Rodriguez. Remember that our program is pre-recorded. So you don't need to call our uh, the, the the station to talk to us, uh, and also again, let me uh, reemphasize or, or, or mention it again that we are sponsored by Border Hawk News. If there's anything you want to know about what is going on uh, with immigration, any part anywhere in the world, immigration, uh, Border Hawk News is the place. 
Thank you very much, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Let's go to our first guest. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And we've got uh, a new guest with us. I thought I would reach out to this gentleman, to this young man, uh, because of the uh, stories that, uh, the reports that are coming out regarding uh, the, um, the, the release of illegal aliens into communities uh, and their impact on this co- the communities. Now, uh, Mr. Peter Pena is uh, the third, is on with us today. Uh, he has a he has a Facebook page called Dimmit County Reports, uh, Border Crisis Reports, I believe it is, and I wanted him to, to talk to us and tell us what they are experiencing in his county and his uh, community. Peter, thank you for taking time to be with us. What is going on? Tell us, uh, tell the audience, tell us what is going on in your backyard there. Well, thank you, George. It's an honor to be uh, here on with you, and I appreciate everything you're doing and helping the information get it, getting out regarding the border crisis. Just really quickly, my name is Peter Bettes the third. I run a local border page for our community here in Dimmit County called Dimmit County Border Crisis Reports, where we document um, all of the happenings in our community in regard to the border crisis. So some of the first things that we've been seeing over the course of a year is uh, the rise in smuggling, car chases, high-speed chases through our own community, bailouts, those speed chases leading to local neighborhoods, bailouts on property, property damages, and our community just doesn't feel safe. We've also had these speed chases uh, happen near our local schools. We've had a crash at our own city hall in town. And just today, as you have called me, George, we actually had a huge speed chase that ended up in a neighborhood and a car that was being used for smuggling ended up in someone's front yard. And it was very close to hurting someone. These are the types of things that we're experiencing here in Carrizo Springs. Now, now tell us the, the size. What is the population of Carrizo Springs and how far are you from the border? So the population, of course, uh, has fluctuated. If you come into Carrizo Springs, it would say, you know, over 5,000. But it fluctuates depending on what's happening in our community. We're about 40 miles from the border. We're we're more closer to Eagle Pass. So um, we're not exactly on the border, but we're a border county near. But the important thing is, is two things. First of all, that you're a small community and you're being, I mean, you know, you've got limited resources, obviously. Uh, and then on top of that, you're being impacted even though you're not right on the border because a lot of people think that everything is happening right on the border, and it's not, correct? Correct. You're absolutely correct. No, we are uh, being highly, highly impacted uh, by what's happening at the border. It is definitely uh, bled through all the way to our own county. And um, on Dimmick County Border Crisis Reports page, if anybody, any one of your viewers wants to go and view the uh, information there we have video pictures just to show how serious it is and uh, how it's hurting our sheriff's department uh, the fact that we don't have enough help uh, even the border patrol it we have dps that's helping us and it's it's pretty much insanity over here so uh, you know from the perspective uh, because i know that you've been involved you've been watching this whole thing unfold in your backyard what uh, what solutions do you think we, we need, do we need? Well, first, uh, we need an acknowledgement from the Biden-Kamala uh, Harris administration that this is a real crisis and that those of us who are near the border and at the border are being negatively impacted. That's the first thing is for our leaders to acknowledge that. Second, for those who live in these communities to share this information, to reach out to their local officials, their county, the sheriff's department, and then to take it higher to the sectors 
and to see what is being done at the at the higher sectors when it comes to Del Rio sector, so on and so forth, of what changes or policies are being implemented that are either hurting us or are going to be positive. Those are the first things that we could do, in my opinion. You got it. Is there is there anything? Uh, well, tell the folks about uh, the Facebook page so that uh, they can they can refer to it and go to it and and learn more. Uh, yes, sir. And I'll try to do this very succinctly in, in a minute or so and just give a brief background of myself. Um, so I'm a local citizen, longtime resident. I own two local businesses. I'm married. I have two children. And uh, we got involved here in our community because we came out on the news last March on MSNBC. Gabe Gutierrez is a very uh, popular reporter for mainstream news that we had two influx facilities that were going to be set up in our community. These influx facilities are here to help process unaccompanied minors who have come over um, the border. And so we weren't aware of this, and they were uh, popping up in our town. We didn't hear anything from our leaders, so naturally we got involved to find out. That led up to a local town hall meeting at our local congregation. I'm also part of a local congregation here in town with the sheriff's department and the city to explain why they were here and how long they would be here. Uh, Following that, we had a rally to shed light on the issues that come with the border when it comes to uh, human trafficking and smuggling. And then it led to the border summit with Governor Greg Abbott, where myself and a few others journeyed me, my, me and my wife to take a local state of disaster declaration that our judge signed. And I was personally able to hand, hand that uh, declaration to Governor Abbott. And now to this issue um, over here, where we have this breaking news of uh, individuals that have come across illegally that are going to be released into our town. So that brief timeline throughout the past year on, on to present day to March, um, I've been documenting video evidence of the car chases, property damages, bailouts in town. And so we have all of that information on Dimmit County Border Crisis Reports page. We have pictures, um, and now we're working on more interviews uh, to get the um, the overall sentiment and feelings from our community. So all of that is uh, located there on Facebook. Wow. Peter, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us again. We've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Peter Perez the third in uh, Carrizo Springs or in Dimmit County, uh, Texas, and uh, stay safe. And we'll be reaching out to you as the story continues to unfold. Peter, thank you, George. I'm so honored that you had me on once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we've got uh, a uh, new guest with us, Mr. Jason Hopkins. For some reason, I want to call him John Hopkins, but I'm not. Jason Hopkins, who is with uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute in uh, in D.C., and uh, I wanted to get him on because uh, they've just uh, done a press release and uh, some investigative research regarding the border crisis and what's going on with immigration policy. Jason, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Talk to us. Tell us about what uh, Early has found. Hey, George. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, well, as many may know, uh, we've got a new leader uh, up in the uh, Customs and Border uh, Protection, CBP. It's uh, the newly minted uh, commissioner, um, Chris Magnus. Uh, he's a longtime police chief. He has no uh, federal experience before this, no experience with immigration. And, you know, over where I'm at, the Immigration Foreign Law Institute, obviously we're interested in his background. What's, you know, this guy's, you know, no federal history. So we're trying to look into him, we, you know, for tra- transparency reasons. We want to let everyone know what is history of anything with immigration. And so we, and, and a big part of my job is to file a records request, uh, Freedom of Information Act request on individuals uh, to learn more about them and, you know, for transparency reasons. And we release that and we let the people know. Um, so we've obviously been looking into Magnus um, ever since uh, he was nominated. Um, and, of course, you know, he's been um, officially a commissioner since uh, December. The Senate voted on him and confirmed him, mostly along party lines. Um, and he's been a police chief over in uh, Tucson, Arizona, uh, Richmond, California, and then also up in, um, in North Dakota as well. And uh, so we've been filing records requests uh, basically everywhere he's been at. And we did, we had a press release um, a few months prior, back when we had, we were able to obtain data out of Richmond, California, where he served, um, and this was prior to him being, uh, the last place he served as police chief was in uh, Tucson, Arizona. So in Richmond, California, we found interesting tidbits about him. Obviously, uh, as a nominee of the Biden administration, uh, you know, as you can expect, he's, he's not a fan of cooperating with uh, immigration officials, really um, is pretty aggressive towards uh, 
uh, any sort of immigration enforcement. And, and he's not been shy about that. If you look at past op-eds he's written and, and things he's done uh, that, that are for the public viewing. So, we, of course, we were able to find some emails to show um, uh, d- d- different things. Uh, Kate Steinle, that, um, the death there, she, he, he balked at that. Not balking as, I can't believe this happened, by you know shooting as an illegal alien, by an illegal alien, but um, he immediately balked at the idea of cooperating more with federal immigration authorities in the wake of Kate Steinle's death, which is maybe some of your viewers remember. Uh, that was a you know a, a huge thing in the news. It was right. illegal alien deported many times. Yep. He was living in the area in California. Um, and just it literally Kate finally was killed because um, immigration officials were not allowed to do their job uh, because uh, local officials were not um, cooperating with them. Uh, anyways, fast forward to Tucson. We filed a records request with them in April of last year, and we have not gotten anything from them. Um, it's been a complete stonewall. We've gone back and forth with them over and over, and we haven't been able to get anything because they just keep stonewalling us. And it's not uh, an issue where they say, hey, we're denying your request. No, they just keep kicking the can down the road, and they're telling us, no, we um, don't have anything yet, don't have anything yet. Um, I've been in this position for two years, you know, filing records requests and FOIAs is all I do. I've never seen anything like this. Um, and then before this, as my time as a reporter for a number of years where I filed FOIAs and whatnot, I've never seen anything like this. Um, and I think they're, they're lucky in the fact that Arizona doesn't have a formal appeals process, um, you know, to appeal such a thing where they stonewall us. So we're kind of left just uh, kind of begging and plead, pleading with them to um, hand over documents so we can learn kind of what was going on behind the scenes with Magnus and his, um, um, you know, positions on immigration, what sort of emails he was sending, um, his, his thoughts on ICPP. Uh, but this is really unprecedented for us uh, to, you know, in just a few days, it would be a full year. Uh, they've just kicked the can down the road, and they're not, and they're not giving us really, it's been one excuse after another. Um, do I know exactly why they're doing this? I mean, I can only speculate. Um, but, hey, in the meantime, throughout all this, Magnus has been able to win confirmation. He is now the commissioner of CBP, and we have no idea what his uh, behind-the-scenes efforts or comments were um, with ICE on CBP, anything like that, while he was a police chief over in Tucson. Uh, you know, it, 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 it boggles my mind that we have law enforcement or supposed law enforcement officials like police chiefs like certain sheriffs who refuse to cooperate with ICE with regards to people that have broken into the country, I mean, that entered the country illegally, let alone some that have are here illegally and that uh, have violated a, a law. I, I don't understand that. And it, this has been his, it's a, a long sentiment of his. Uh, he believes in this idea of community policing, uh, where, you know, you, you're, you're a, basically an integral member of the community, which in that regard is fine, but he, he's always been so, so antithetical to the idea of, of cooperating with federal immigration authorities. Uh, he, he, just, uh, he, he is, uh, I guess what you call a woke cop uh, for his entire career. So it's really no surprise, given what the Biden administration has, has done with the, um, how they handled the border. Well, they, they began the border crisis, rather. Uh, but it's really no surprise that they would nominate a guy like this. Again, no, no immigration experience, no federal um, federal experience whatsoever, but this is a guy who, who's had a history of just of negative comments towards ICE, uh, towards uh, immigration enforcement whatsoever, and they've now got him leading CBP. I mean, this is, in a way, uh, an arsonist who's, uh, you know, uh, the, the fire chief over your local fire department. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, literally, it's the fox watching the, the, the chicken coop. I mean, it's incredible. Um, do you see any kind of... Uh, of uh, pushback in the House or in the Senate for his confirmation or anything of the nature? His vote, his confirmation vote in the Senate did run mostly along party lines. Uh, I believe we did have a, a couple, at least a couple of Republicans um, cross party lines and, and vote in his favor. And, you know, it's a shame because um, maybe if we knew more about him before the confirmation vote, uh, things could have been different. But um, we, we did file a records request with the Richmond Police Department we actually, we, we got good documents. As I was talking about the Kate Steinle comments and, and other things, he, he led directives that limited his um, officers' cooperation with ICE officials. Um, so I'm so curious to know, I mean, if we got that much out of Richmond, what could we have gotten out of Tucson? And if we were able to obtain this and release this before Senate confirmation vote, who knows how it would have gone? Uh, but um, they were able to uh, keep that from uh, going into the public eye. Another thing that's interesting, too, is they told us that it would have to have been Magnus himself to review the documents before they released it to us, which screamed to me it to be a big conflict of interest. Wow. Can you share with us which uh, Republicans uh, uh, voted to support him? Uh, off the top of my head, I, I, I don't want to tell you anything wrong. It was a 50 to 47 vote, 
I want to say at least uh, Murkowski, I believe she voted in favor for him, but I don't want to tell your viewers anything that's wrong. Uh, but it was, the vote did go down 50 to 47. Wow. And then you had a few people who, who, who didn't partake in the vote, so it wasn't straight uh, 100, 100, 100 members voting. You got it. Well, my friend, thank you very much for shedding some uh, information and light on us because we need to find out, uh, you know, who, who we're going to be dealing with because obviously uh, we're right here at the front lines. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, um, we can say without exaggeration, this is the worst border crisis we've seen in, in U.S. history with a number of um, illegal aliens that are being caught and got away. And it's a shame that these are the individuals that we're placing um, in leadership positions to handle this. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who, who don't have experience in this and who frankly don't really care to enforce our immigration laws. Exactly. I mean, that's the bottom line. They don't care. We want to thank uh, Jason Hopkins from uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute for being with us this morning. Thank you very, very much, uh, Jason. Tell the folks where they can follow uh, early, where they can follow the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Yeah, please. Um, if, you, if you guys want to, uh, we've got an active Twitter page, uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute, a uh, very active Facebook page as well. And also check out our website where we've got all the press releases at, um, uh, we call it early, it's acronym, IRLI.org. Got it. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio in San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. On KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, and we've got uh, a good friend of ours, Mr. Matt Cody, who is president of the uh, Oil Workers Association. And I wanted to get him on because the latest situation that we've got uh, is uh, not only uh, is uh, Putin being blamed for the high price of gasoline, uh, but now the Democrats are actually turning around and saying that it's the fault of the petroleum industry. So uh, I wanted to get Matt on here and get an explanation, since he's here in Texas and what's going on with the Texas oil industry. Matt, welcome to the show. I filled up my truck this mo- this uh, Saturday, and uh, it was uh, 125 bucks. Thank and you. Um, you know, it uh, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts, but it does, George. And uh, hello, and thanks for. Uh, <laughs> I always love coming on here. You're right, and what you just said is true for every American. The price of the pump, price of the grocery store, uh, 40-plus year record high inflation, it's hurting every single American. It it really, truly is. It's not like um, it's isolated with one group uh, profiting or, or, or being okay with the whole situation. Everybody's hurting with it. So uh, what are you seeing from your angle within the industry? So uh, on Friday, the rig count didn't move. It always stayed at 663, right? Uh, We dropped three oil rigs and uh, added uh, a couple of gas and uh, one uh, on the side. Anyway, so the rig count stayed flat, and a lot of people in America don't understand why the oil and gas industry doesn't just start drill baby drilling, right? There you go. There you go. We were energy independent before. What's going on now? So in 2019, whenever we became a net exporter, the United States had a pro-American oil and gas worker president who fought for our jobs. In 2020, of course, President Trump uh, helped broker the end of the Saudi-Russia price war that really drove the prices into the negative on April 20th of that year. It's a much different day and age today. We've got a hostile anti-American oil and gas administration that, number one, on the campaign trail said, transition away from our old jobs. And uh, uh, John Kerry, who said, well, y'all can go make solar panels. We've got the Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm floating the possible reimposition of the crude oil export ban. We've got uh, Biden nominating a Marxist comptroller of the currency, Amarova, who said that she wanted oil and gas companies to go bankrupt. We've got Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen trotting around the world asking banks to stop funding fossil fuel projects. And U.S. operators are being starved of you know, operating capital. And then now the Biden administration wants every operator in the U.S. to just start drilling to bail him out of a self-created crisis. Hey, as oil and gas workers, we'd love to be working right now. We'd love for everything to be stable, reliable, but in this administration, nothing is. Now, when, when they shut down,
down or when they stopped work on the on the pipeline, uh, um, how did that affect uh, workers and the oil industry here in Texas? Well, how many people were immediately laid off whenever that that final leg of the Keystone XL was canceled by Biden on uh, day one? Roughly ten thousand. You know, and if you look at the Keystone XL pipeline and the the number of barrels that that pipeline would have transported from Canada, and then you look at the the heavy crude versus what we're banning from Russia right now, that the heavier crude from Russia. Well, then the Keystone XL pipeline, even right now, would still not be finished. But we would be a year and two months into it, and uh, uh, it would only take a few more months. So Biden really hurt us then. But as a symbol of our industry, it was a slap in the face to every American oil and gas worker and a clear sign that Biden was going to do what he had promised his radical environmental groups he would do and kill our jobs. Now, what I don't understand is why is it okay for oil workers in Iran, Venezuela, and Russia to have work, while oil workers in the United States uh, are not. I don't understand that. Uh, That's an excellent question, George, and it makes sense. If you keep asking questions that make sense, you'll never get 81 million people to vote for you. Um, You're right. You know, if you look at emissions as a global problem, and that's where many radical environmentalists go to, is that it's a global problem, and we need to we need to stop emissions uh, worldwide. Well, then when you look at how oil and gas workers here in the U.S. reduced emissions by 12% from 2005 to 2019, uh, and the great miracle of that statistic is that the Shell Revolution in America happened during that time, and we reduced emissions, and under President Trump, we, we've reduced emissions even further. Um, when you look at that, and then you look at flaring in Iran, you look at Iran's irresponsible oil industry, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are negotiating still to completely lift sanctions on Iran's irresponsible oil industry. It doesn't make sense that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would prefer for Iranian oil workers to have jobs. I mean, Iran's the world's number one state sponsor of terrorism, and Joe Biden's administration wants to funnel more money to them. And then if you look at Venezuela, where socialist dictator Nicolas Maduro had people run over with tanks in the streets a couple of years ago. Um, and so when we talk about human rights violations, uh, that's a very clear one right there. And yet Maduro is still in power, and Joe Biden sent a delegation to Venezuela to talk about importing uh, the heavy crude from Venezuela. It, it doesn't make sense to answer your question, George. You know, it, and, and, you know, again, the issue of uh, American solutions for Americans, uh, American energy, American workers, uh, it, it just, uh, it, 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 it's mind-boggling how this administration just doesn't seem to care about those points, uh, while they cl- claim that they cl- care about uh, clean air and clean waters and clean environment and everything else. I mean, uh, who's going to enjoy that? They don't care. Uh, this administration does not care about American workers. If they did, they would have more pro-American worker policies rather than propping up foreign industries. And that's what every action and inaction of this administration has done since day one. You know, oil and gas jobs for Americans should have 100% bipartisan support. And with work and education, I believe we can, we can gain a broader support for it across all parties and truly come together over sensible policies that benefit our oil and gas jobs and every single American. Just like we're hurting right now together, we can also succeed together. And um, I think President John F. Kennedy was the one who famously said, and it's one of my favorite quotes, let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, but the right answer. And that's what we need today. And I think, unfortunately, that while we're all hurting together right now, it's actually bringing us together on some issues where we're saying, hey, wait a minute, supporting American oil and gas workers makes sense. Supporting American oil and gas jobs, having U.S. production, um, that actually is an economy that benefits all Americans. And we saw that under President Obama and then Vice President Joe Biden. You know, one of the things, one of the very, very interesting uh, situations I read over the weekend was that uh, even the even the British are suffering from uh, environmental ra- radicals. Um, apparently, fracking uh, is something that could be done easily and help uh, the British economy to uh, 
grow more energy independent. But fracking, like uh, there has been a lot of discussion here in South Texas, uh, there, are he- there are big claims that it causes uh, earthquakes. <laughs> Your thoughts? We hear that a lot, right? Um, every oil and gas worker, every time we turn around, it's, oh, y'all are, y'all are uh, what was it Joe Biden called President Trump? Climate terrorist, right? Yeah. And, and so it's an education battle. It's, uh, number one, you know, like I do, that we're up against a biased and dishonest media that, you know, perpetuates this climate crisis uh, scare tactic and talks about earthquakes as though tectonic plates haven't been around since, I don't know, the creation of the the world. Um, And so everything gets blamed on American oil and gas workers. Now, like you said, never mind that Iran's doing this. Or uh, so we hear that about earthquakes, and of course we've we're very blessed in Texas to have a very responsive, experienced railroad commission that oversees the entire oil and gas industry and pays attention to those things. And responsible operators who go, hey, you know what? If this is happening, let's look at this, and maybe we should change that. You know, uh, our industry and every one of us who work in it, we get painted as some kind of monsters. And uh, the people in America who uh, just will not see um, how good our oil and gas jobs are for America, well, if you're as old as me, all they ever see is Exxon Valdez, Deepwater Horizon, and seagulls covered in oil. You know, never mind that that's a very small percentage of whatever happens in the world, but it's what they see on repeat. And so just like CRT is you know, racist curriculum, uh, and if you pound it at somebody long enough, they're going to eventually believe it, then people who see the bad things only about our industry and don't see all the benefits that our industry provides, well, that's, that's all they have in their minds. Oh, incredible. It, it really, really is. Uh, we're going to need to let you go, but tell the folks, uh, you know, where about your organization and where they can follow you guys. Always. Hey, and thanks, George, and I appreciate you having uh, me on again. Oil and Gas Workers Association, well, we're an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan trade association working to secure, grow, and sustain American oil and gas jobs. And uh, please join us uh, at OGWAUSA.com. And all of our social links are on there as well. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. We always appreciate anybody who's supporting American oil and gas workers. You got it, buddy. Thank you very, very much. We've been speaking with our good friend, Matt Cody. And Matt, you stay safe. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, George. Thanks again. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Dan Lyman, uh, who is uh, editor of uh, Border Hawk News, as well as uh, he uh, is a writer with um, uh, with uh, InfoWars. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because he has been in Europe. And uh, he has been covering the migration patterns. We've talked to him before about what's going on with migration, immigration in, in, in uh, Europe. And uh, I wanted to talk to him about uh, what he sees going on regarding the situation uh, now that uh, Ukraine's been uh, invaded. And uh, also Belarus right next door that had been kind of like an opening door, a back door uh, for a lot of... Uh, immigration from the Middle East into Europe. Dan, thank you for taking time to be with us. Talk to us. Tell us, uh, what do you see happening in Europe right now with migration, particularly with the, this war going on? Sure. Always good to be with you, George. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really interesting to see what's going on. 
aside from from all of the you know the strong feelings on both sides of this conflict, uh, what I've been looking at really is the implications as they pertain to immigration and mass migration. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, the situation in Belarus and Poland, it, uh, it really was one of the first things that crossed my mind when I saw that uh, masses of people were now entering Poland from Ukraine. Because uh, as we've spoken about in the past, approximately a year ago, there started to be a, a really a ramp up in terms of migrants attempting to enter Poland via Belarus. And what had happened was, was basically the, the head of Polarus Lukashenko, he had gotten into quite a diplomatic dispute with the European Union, and uh, Belarus is not a European member state, although it is on the European continent, and basically in retaliation, he said, I'm going to open the borders to from Belarus into uh, Poland, essentially, and to other neighboring EU member states, and I'm just going to flood the place with as many uh, migrants from the Middle East and Africa as want to come. So basically... We had tens of thousands of migrants making their way into Belarus uh, via direct flights uh, into Minsk, and then they were being basically herded to the border, and uh, they were being uh, kind of shoveled into Lithuania and Poland and even Latvia. So uh, those countries are not so open to this mass migration agenda as some of the other European countries have been. So Poland actually really did, a, did an all-out uh, effort to secure their own border, and they were turning back tens of thousands of migrants uh, every every month up until recently. And uh, those flows started to ebb over the winter. You know, it's really harsh conditions in that area. And uh, a lot of migrants basically gave up. And it was kind of unclear what was happening to many of them. Many of them were, were flown back to Iraq, but others were definitely kind of in limbo in the region, living in camps or moving back into asylum centers in, in Belarus. And my guess is many of them also probably um, made their way into Ukraine as well. And so what my first thought was, seeing that Poland had thrown their doors open to Ukraine uh, out of the goodness of their hearts, you know, there, there are a lot of Ukrainians that were already living in Poland. The Ukrainian population in Poland was estimated to be around 2 million people prior to this conflict. So, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Poland and met a lot of Ukrainians there, all very, very nice people. Uh, you know, if you get in an Uber in Poland, uh, there's a good chance that your driver will be Ukrainian. And so it, it was very interesting to see that they were effectively opening their border uh, along the Ukrainian frontier, but they were still working to keep their border secure along the Belarusian uh, Belarusian frontier because they were still having plenty of issues there. So uh, I was really keeping an eye on that, and it looks like my suspicions in general uh, were probably warranted because what we're seeing now is many of the people that are entering the European Union uh, from claiming to be uh, fleeing the Ukraine uh, conflict are actually not from Ukraine at all. And some of those estimates that have been reported are as high as 30%. So in, in France recently, um, there was reports from French officials speaking anonymously to French media saying that they were seeing that 30, as much as 30% of the migrants that had been arriving in France were not actually uh, refugees from Ukraine. And, uh, and then I saw this really interesting quote, uh, anonymous French official told Le Figaro that most of the people who were turned back at the time meaning the Belarus-Poland situation, have been able to pass since then, and the war has reshuffled the cards. So we're seeing an exploitation of Ukrainian refugee flows by other people from other parts of the world who are seeing this as their opportunity to enter Europe. In addition, many uh, students from Africa, apparently, they have a huge population of African students who have been uh, studying in Ukraine uh, because apparently if you uh, you are a student there, you can actually obtain permanent residence status, and then you can use that eventually to leapfrog your way into the European labor market or to get yourself a European uh, visa. And so many of them are actually just using this opportunity to join the refugee flows and make their way into Europe as well. You know, and and one of the things that's that's disturbing to me in watching was that there the uh, the Russians had hired uh, or were recruiting, should I say, uh, Chechens as mercenaries. At least that was the story. And uh, the connection I made immediately were the Chechens, the two Chechens that committed uh, the uh, horrific attack on the Boston Marathon. Uh, not to mention, you know, uh, how many Chechens are 
coming across there uh, and we don't know about it and uh, or or coming and you know crossing uh, our southern border that we don't even know about as well because Putin has made it very clear that it, uh, if the United States uh, gets too involved that uh, you know, somehow we're going to pay for it no absolutely that that is definitely a concern uh, of course Chechnya if I'm not mistaken is part of the Russian Federation and so it would make sense uh, they're pretty fearsome fighters as many people are probably aware so uh, bringing them into the conflict in Ukraine isn't surprising um, but of course that uh, also lends opportunities for mayor duels uh, jihadist terrorists who want to enter Europe and there are plenty of Chech- Chechens li- already living in Europe and uh, some of them commit some of the most horrific crimes in European countries. I've covered many of those over the years. Definitely not a a compatible people with most European countries, unfortunately. Uh, What uh, what do you see happening? I mean, uh, what's the future of this? I mean, is there going to be any type of of ability to control the migration patterns, or do you think that it's just going to continue to get worse? Well, you know, the What's so troubling about this to me is now we have more than 3.5 million people who have apparently fled Ukraine and more than 2 million of them have entered Poland actually just in recent weeks, which is really a, I mean, a monumental humanitarian crisis, no matter how you look at it. And what's tough for me to wrap my head around is the, the amount of migration that has already come into Europe in recent years. And, you know, a lot of European countries are totally overwhelmed, even with what was already going on. These were people who are totally incompatible. Uh, I would say Ukrainians in general would be certainly more compatible uh, with with many European cultures and societies. Um, But these these countries such as Germany, Sweden, uh, the United Kingdom, I mean, they've been dealing with their own influxes uh, in recent years. So, you know, I saw a really interesting uh, quote. Uh, I just saw this as I was researching for the day here. And so a lot of the, the Ukrainians, once they, they reach Poland, then they're being bussed onward into other parts of Europe. And many, of course, are going into the neighboring country of Germany. And Germany has taken in millions of migrants uh, since the 2014, 2015, 2016 uh refugee crisis there and so they're already overwhelmed and i just saw this uh interesting quote that you know they're just stretched too thin a uh, government official <clears throat> told uh, info migrants uh sorry uh, d- uh, german media that the problem facing the government is that they didn't reduce the time previous arrivals to germany spent in their first reception of facilities so many of them have been living for more than 18 months in these facilities, uh, and these are people from all around the world, and so these facilities are totally incapable of handling the new influx. And so this is basically a, a problem compounding on top of another problem. You have humanity stacking upon humanity, and what we're seeing now is also the clash of civilizations already unfolding. Uh, for instance, we had a report that we just published yesterday at InfoWars Europe at an asylum facility in Sweden, uh, technically a hostel, but they're using it uh, to, to provide asylum for women and children fleeing Ukraine. They are full to capacity there, and the women now are finding that African and Arab men are turning up at the facility trying to gain entry to the facility itself, trying to get entry to their rooms. So now basically they're being harassed by potential predators who are migrants themselves, and they are preying on the influx of Ukrainian women that are coming into the country. Uh, Last week there were reports circulating in German media that a Ukrainian woman who had recently arrived in Germany, she was 18 years old, staying at a reception facility there. She was actually raped by two migrants, one from Iraq, one from Nigeria, who both somehow had Ukrainian passports as well. So we're seeing kind of the horrors of stacking refugees on top of migrants, on top of refugees at this point. And I really think it's a recipe for disaster, uh, just uh, even, even uh, just culturally. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, the, the cultural clashes. People just underestimate that, and I think that, uh, again, the minute that you mention that, you become a racist. Uh, you get branded a racist for for uh, thinking that other people are different from you. <laughs> uh, here in closing, what would you? Uh, what's your advice for those of us here in the United States watching all of this unfolding? 
uh, on the other side of the world. I mean, uh, it, it, we're obviously in being impacted already with uh, with some Ukrainians arriving at uh, our southern border. But um, what, what what advice do you have for us? Yeah, it's amazing. We're seeing Russians and Ukrainians apparently turning up at the southern border. We just saw, I saw the other day that there's a Russian migrant camp in Tijuana. They're uh, camped out there at the San Isidro port of entry, and they're hoping to make it into the U.S. as well. Um, so, I mean, the implications are they're global. We see how much money, uh, American tax dollar money, is being sent over there uh, to mitigate this crisis. And then how many of them, uh, how many of these people are going to be uh, welcomed into our country that will be responsible for taking care of as well. Uh, so, you know, the impacts are far reaching and they certainly are worldwide. My advice to your listeners would be to take all media reports, no matter where they come from, with a massive, massive dose of salt. We've seen so many of these reports uh, coming out of the conflict that are immediately debunked uh, within 24 hours as being fake news. So I would say uh, everyone should be very cautious about the information that they're ingesting and use their best judgment and try to you know scrape from as many sources as possible. But especially when it comes from the mainstream media, uh, I would say take that with the biggest <laughs> dose of salt. No kidding. No kidding. We want to thank Dan Lyman for, to be, for being with us from uh, InfoWars Europe and, um, uh, and the editor of... Uh, Border Hawk News. Thank you very much, Dan, for being with us. We've got to get you back on uh, again. Always soon. a pleasure. Always Thank a pleasure, George. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Once again, my friends, let me uh, conclude by uh, thanking Border Hawk News for their sponsorship of our program. Let me remind everyone that uh, our program was pre recorded. We will post it, uh, we will share it with you. Uh, please, please, please call your friends and tell them to uh, listen to the show or, or go to the, uh, our website uh, as well as uh, our Facebook page and, uh, and uh, pull it down and share it with folks. Uh, you can listen to it. I want to thank our, our, our guests once again, Mr. P- Peter Perez uh, III, uh, Jason Hopkins, uh, Matt Cody, and Dan Lineman. Thank you very, very much for, for uh, being with us today. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>